0: I'm Sapan Gai, I'm Chief Commercial Officer of Sovereign Metals Limited, which is an AIM and ASX listed company. We're developing the Casia project in Malawi. Casia hosts two critical minerals, uh, being titanium and graphite, and we are looking to get into a DFS stage with our partners Rio Tinto. Hello, welcome to London. (laughs) Um, It's getting close, isn't it? You're getting close to the end. Yeah, look, we uh, we bought on Rio Tinto last uh, last well a few months ago. We got a PFS out. Uh, what are we doing now? A lot of bulk test work, specifically on the graphite. You saw that news that came out of China. We can talk about that. Um, and really, you know, our chairman and CEO are down in uh, Cape Town with the Rio Tinto team this week, um, and we're working away figuring out, you know, how do we. How do we really optimize
1: this this beast called cassia? It, well, it's, it's massive, okay? So it's not only one of the w- largest of deposits of, of both commodities, yeah. but it's also, it's gonna be cheap to get out of the ground because it's a very simple mining process. It's Look, it, it
0: it is really simple. Our tagline is, you know, one project, two critical minerals, targeting net zero. What does that really mean? We're the biggest, cheapest cost to produce lowest co2 footprint to produce so you can understand why you know when we put that out to markets and let the world know that what we had uh
1: the likes of rio Tinto started knocking on the door yeah okay look the the question i want to answer from this conversation is the 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 when yeah like, when does this thing start producing but before we get there we've got to, to understand a few things and maybe we'll go through a, a couple of steps um for people new to this story which is let's let's look at something you just referenced the Chinese curb on the graphite exports to the West effectively. Um, what's it done? How's that played out? So it's funny you asked me that question because I was at the uh, ben Chua Murals Conference
0: uh, in LA um, about a week or so ago. And a lot of the US was asking the same question as you guys are in graphite, you're one of the biggest players. What do you think about what, 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 what's happened with China? And the reality is, We've seen this in the rare earth space. We've seen this in other uh, commodities. You know, there's talk about them doing the, the, the similar, um, similar curbs on tungsten, for example. For us, as sovereign metals, the key thing is um, we don't really need to even talk about it because we'd be producing, what, uh, almost 250,000 tonnes of material. Today, the, you know, or during the weekend, the UK uh, government came out with the UK battery strategy talking about how they'd need 135,000 tons of of graphite by 2030 i mean we'd be that that's a fraction of what we'd be producing a year um so for us and and being the lowest cost we're almost like the last man standing and then add in the fact that we can do it all at a very cheap very low co2 footprint and you know it's not so much of an issue for us in terms of the kerbs. It's always nice for, for people to think, okay, now I understand the criticality of the material. I understand that supply is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, whether those
1: kerbs exist or not, we're going to need that graphite and we can right. we can produce that. Okay, so the, the Chinese kerbs, that's fine because they're dealing with their own needs, but you feel that with projects, well, your project and, and, and hopefully some others, we ne- you know we need a lot of this stuff. Um, we should be able to deal with the West's needs or, 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 or demands. Yeah, simple as that. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And for you, you are head of the pack because the low cost and and the amount that you can actually get out there. Can we? So I want to stick with the kind of macro thematic. I do want to get into the business sure. model in a second. So again, we're we with rutile because it's one deposit to two critical minerals. Um, rutile market is looking like what at the moment? Price is good. Yeah, look, the prices
0: fluctuate as they do. They uh, Most of, most russell ends up in the pigment space. The pigment space is very aligned to world GDP. Mm. So, you know, as long as there's growth somewhere in the world, we're okay. Um, but what, what it essentially means is, you know, last quarter, the prices were touching around $1,900 a tonne. This quarter, they were close to $1,500 a tonne. Right. Um, in our PFS, you know, we used fourteen hundred, so we're we're quite conservative in that in that in that basis. We're not using the current dynamics of RUTAL, um to to to
1: pro, you know to basically model ourselves into to uh, oblivion, so to speak. Right. But
0: we, okay. Yeah, we're doing that.
1: Yeah. So it's really kind of a bit of pigments in relation to titanium. I think you talk about a lot. Yeah. Right. So and you're saying it's you know it uh, tracks, like as GDP. So as long as someone's growing somewhere. The market should should remain strong. Correct, and and look so sixty percent into pigments, thirty percent into welding. So,
0: as long as we need two pieces of metal put together, as we do with cars and buildings yeah. and bridges and all the rest of it, um, we'll need rutile. Uh, about ten percent ends up
1: in, you know, what we call actual titanium metal. Right. So, okay. So this a, uh, a small new portion iPhone. Of, but but is, is is I mean, what are the size of each of those markets? What, 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 you in? Know, where do you sit in all of that?
0: So look, the, the titanium dioxide market is around $26 billion per annum. Uh, we would be the largest rutile producer. Rutile is 95% titanium dioxide. Where do we get most of our titanium dioxide feed from? It's the mineral ilmanite, which is 40 to 60%.
1: <laughs> there's a processing component to that there, isn't there?
0: And, and, and that's reflected in the uh, prices of those. So, you know, I was talking about $1,500, $1,900 a tonne for rutile, mm. talking two to $300 a tonne for, for ilmenite.
1: Right. And I think there's, there's some ESG components to all of the above as well, which is part of the funding. Uh, story for you
0: exactly you know as humans how do you how do i get a 40 percent product to 80 percent or above i either roast it or i smelt it you know lots of co2 emissions lots of yeah. uh, heat energy etc cetera, etc cetera. whereas what we have in the ground pick it up it's 95
1: percent already right so natural retail i think you're yeah. calling it that's the I one quite i quite like that phrase when i read that <laughs> natural routine. Okay, so there's the kind of the, the kind of ma- macro thematics that you're kind of feeding into. Let's look at the business component because I say the question I want answered is, when's this thing get into production? When's it start cash flowing? Because I'm buying the scale, I'm buying the high margin. Okay, but I want to know that it's fundable, yep. and I want to know it's buildable, yep. and that you've, you've told me the markets there that you know there's a there's is a, a near timeline which I'm going to be the beneficiary of as a shareholder of sure. this company, so if you don't mind...
0: Yeah, look, so what are we doing now? We're doing a bit of bulk test work on the graphite, we're optimizing um, the PFS and the outcomes of the PFS. What does that mean to you and I? That means we're taking the riskier areas, or so-called perceived riskier areas, um, and, and just honing in on what's the best strategy and best scope of work when it comes to doing a DFS that we need to wrap around it, all of these uh, all of these uh, specific areas. So that will then inform us in uh, us and Rio Tinto into what does that DFS look like, and and then we'll we'll probably kick that off mid mid year next year. Mm-hmm. Um, DFS usually takes twelve to eighteen months, but you know let's let's try and. Uh, hopefully you know we can speed things up and uh, i'm guessing if we get a dfs done by 2025 mid 2025 um that should give us you know and it gets get us to fid and from that point
1: it's two years of construction right and you've got it you've obviously got a little um ace in your back car in the shape of rio there right their balance sheet quite handy one either if they take you out or two, if you JV it in some way, shape, or form, as, as currently constructed, um, that's cheaper money for you. And you know the cost of money is critical on these projects. I, I know you've got big margins, but you always want to make more, right? So um, that how, how does that kind of play out in terms of between now and FID? What, what are you doing with them? So we have, uh, just alluding to those two,
0: two points, um, the investment agreement uh, that we signed with Rio Tinto back in July. Um, included a clause that if we were to go ahead and uh, try and procure um, funding for a construction package,
1: that Rio Tinto would assist us with that. Yeah. Um, hence, you know, alluded to the. And balance we're not sheet. talking about doing admin here. We're talking about putting you forward. And what, what does that mean? Backstopping it, underwriting it. Look, like at this point in time, in? It's, it could be any of those. Right. Okay. Um,
0: the second point is that Rio Tinto has the option to be operator. Of the project, now Rio Tinto's business model is not to operate mines on behalf of juniors, so you know read into that what you will. Um, but essentially, that that option for them to be operator only lasts till 180 days post us putting out a DFS announcement. After that, all all the rights in terms of um, you know rights to the technical committee veto uh, rights around. Uh, 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 uh around technical issues or marketing the product or any offtake.
1: Mm-hmm. Um they all fall away. Okay. So right, so it's a very definitive a- a- endpoint there. Exactly. One way or, or, or t'other. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I know where i would be putting my money. Um okay. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the risks because between now and then there's al- there's always risks. We've have sure. seen it geopolitically, but we've also seen it in Africa specifically. We you know we we've seen um some African states, DRC um, perhaps make it harder for people to do business than we've seen? And I was with the Nigerian contingent last night, and there's we're talking about specific company, and they are falling over themselves to make it easier for people. Malawi, it, not a lot of mining, no. but they, you know, what, what, what are they like? You tell me. Yeah, look,
0: I, I I joke with some people that you know this time last year and earlier this year the. Uh, the, the president of Malawi was probably marketing Kaseya more than I was. <laughs> he was getting up at the UN General Assembly uh, last year and saying, you know, the fact that they found Kaseya, the biggest rutile deposit in the world, and now second largest graphite deposit in the world, is one of those means to help Malawi become self-sufficient, right? Malawi is a poor country. It's, its GDP is very much based on, uh, or a significant proportion of it comes from foreign aid. They are working towards becoming more less frontier and more developed and more self-sufficient. And part of that is this three-pronged strategy that they have, where they're targeting agriculture, tourism, and mining. So it's nice that we fit into the yeah. the governmental bucket of mining. Um, and you know, His Excellency was over meeting Joe Biden earlier this year, and they talked about uh, having U.S. money and fund flow into into Malawi to help. Bolster that, and those three uh, specific uh, areas as well uh, of agriculture, tourism, and mining. So, you know, we're seeing a, a, a lot of commitment from the government to move Casia forwards, to help Sovereign, and to help us all kind of advance this project in the right way. Okay, so we've gone full, full circle. It
1: feels very, very close.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting times. You know, we're uh, we're, we're very. We're, we're getting to the point where we are truly understanding the potential of this project, right? I mean, we people still don't understand or grasp the size of this project. Remind so, me of the numbers. Give me remember? So, look, when I was over in the U.S., the first thing is just the scale of this project. So, when I was in the U.S., I was telling people it's the size of five Manhattan Islands to give them a context, and that's the mineralized zone. That's not our land package; that's the yeah. mineralization. Yeah. Right. If we were to spend $600 million of CapEx, um, that would give us a nice $1.6 billion MPV. We'd be producing more rutile than uh, anyone else. We'd be producing more graphite than anyone else. We'd be doing it at a 67% EBITDA margin. Yeah. Forget the MPVs. Forget the IRS, right? For 25 years, this thing would be throwing off over $400 million of EBITDA. Cash, I understand. After... Those twenty five years, yeah. I'd still have seventy percent of the mineralization to go.
1: Ah, but 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 and and the really people say, well, why do you get after it? Well, you don't want to flood the market, right? You don't want to it's, drive it, the price down. It's a it, balance. It's not just that.
0: It's, it's also, you know, we're we're still a junior mining company. I can't I can sit here and say talk about a six hundred million dollar Capex number because, you know, with my banking hat on uh, you know, my previous guys. I know that's financeable, that's yeah, doable yeah. for a company of our size. If I sat here and said, well, if we spent two, two three billion dollars on it, we could do X, Y, Z. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. No, it, it is it's absolutely, eminently financeable. And it's, and it's not necessarily, the point you're making is it's not dilutive financing either. You can get this thing over the line, right? No.
0: And, and importantly, as far as I know, we're the only project, graphite project, where graphite is actually a co-product. It's yeah. sitting with something else, yeah. with a with a with a commodity that has been financed time and time again mm. by the banks. Mm. So for us, that's just a massive plus because yeah. you know graphite isn't screen traded; it doesn't have a specific uh, market that the bankers can figure out. There's so many variables to a, to a graphite basket price. Uh, you really need to do a lot of DD to understand what is. Your long-term price for a specific project, um, you know, for example, the price that we used in our in our PFS, we were told by uh, one of the leading consultancy firms that we should be using something close to three thousand bucks a ton for our graphite. Now, given that everyone else's graphite is in their studies is priced at something like fourteen to eighteen hundred bucks a ton, it really didn't sit well with us that we would go out with such a huge price so we actually went all the way back and became very prudent and and went with uh 1290 which is nowhere near what the uh, what the experts are telling us what it's worth but we know that with a prudent approach to the graphite we know the rutile is eminently financeable and therefore the projects eminently financeable hard from
1: either guy